Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we are going to learn so much, and I am truly looking forward to this program. I love every single one of my guests. I have been doing this now for, let's see, today is program 299, so I've been doing this quite a long time, and as I said, I love all my guests, but today I truly am really, really looking forward to today's guest, because I think we're all going to get so much out of speaking and listening with the fabulous David McNally. So welcome to our program, David. Well, good morning, Deb. I am just so delighted to be on the program, and I extend my appreciation for you inviting me. We really are going to have a lot of fun today, and and as I mentioned, learn so much. But before we jump in, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So for over 40 years, David McNally has explained inspired millions of people from the stage, on film, and in his best-selling books. His following has garnered him the honor of election to the Speaker's Hall of Fame and recognition by a leading Speaker's Bureau as one of the world's top 50 business speakers. David is the author of the best-selling books, Even Eagles Need a Push, Learning to Soar in a Challenging World, and The Eagles' Secret, Success Strategies for Thriving at Work and in Life. His book, Be Your Own Brand, is used by many business schools throughout the world in their graduate degree programs. And now, his most current book, Mark of an Eagle, How Your Life Changes the World, brings fresh, inspiring insights and wisdom for creating a successful and meaningful life. An award-winning producer, David has produced two highly praised inspirational films, The Power of Purpose and If I Were Brave. David's books have been translated into 12 languages and developed into corporate training programs released in over 20 countries. As founder and CEO of Transform Corporation, David and his staff align leaders, teams, and individuals throughout organizations to build iconic brands. And I mentioned that David is the CEO of his company. He considers himself the chief encouragement officer. So again, David, welcome. Well, thank you. That was a wonderful introduction. I was wondering who you were talking about when you gave all of those accolades. But thank you, Deb. Well, you know, I tell people that one of the things that we should all do is write our own radio introduction. And, you know, because it's it's funny, we tend to not brag about ourselves you'll hide our light under the bushel, all of those various things. And we are all absolutely phenomenal people. And that was one of the things that I got from reading your book is that it doesn't matter if we're Warren Buffett or, you know, a waitress in the the corner diner. We all are fabulous people and we have so much to give when we actually recognize that. Well, there's no question about that. And if we look at our lives retrospectively, Deb, um, most of the studies that have been done by people who have got into, say, the third stage of their lives, the more mature, the the the, the old term is senior citizens. Uh, now they're being called chronologically gifted. Um, uh, but uh, when they look at 
what they want to know most about their lives is that they want to believe that their lives mattered, mm -hmm. that, that they did leave a mark on the world. And that was the kind of uh, that was the inspiration for writing this book to help everyone understand that there was a brilliance to each of us mm -hmm. um, and that we do touch people's lives in bigger ways than we ever dreamed. Right. You know, and, and let's take a step back for a moment because you've now written three books that have kind of the eagle as the, the theme. Why is that? Well, uh, it begins with one of these uh, serendipitous experiences that came out of adversity, mm -hmm. right? Came out of adversity. Um, my first book, Even Eagles Need a Push, uh, was actually called during the writing of it, during the manuscript stage, Creating Your Future. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what my brand was about. That's what I was working with Transform Corporation. That was the work that we were doing. Um, and prior to publication, believe it or not, someone else published a book called Creating Your Future. And I, Deb, was absolutely devastated. I bet devastated by it um, and went into a bit of a funk. I may, I, I'll just admit it to all of you listeners, I, 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 I didn't know what to do. Uh, and I was searching and searching for a title for the book again. Um, and the circumstances of it were very, very interesting of how I came up with the title. Uh, my youngest daughter or my children went to a parochial school. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, one morning, my youngest daughter, who was about seven at the time, asked me if I would come to school and actually attend mass, mm -hmm. right? Mass. Um, and I said to her, Beth, I said, Beth, uh, you know, I'm so busy. I just can't do it this morning. And she said, Dad, you're always working. So she put this enormous guilt trip on right. me. Right. As only a, a young child can do. Can do. So I ended up going and being with her. But as I was sitting in the service, I could not concentrate. My mind was wandering. And but it wandered to a wonderful little animated uh, movie that I'd seen at a speakers association meeting. And that movie was called To Try Again and Succeed. And the story was the story of a mother eagle. And I'm visualizing this. And she was coaxing her offspring towards the edge of the nest. And and then she would push the little eaglet out of the nest. It would tumble forward. The mother would then swoop down because the uh, the poor baby eagle didn't know what to do. She would swoop down, pick up the eagle on, on her back, put it back up there on the shelf while the little eaglet got courage to try again. Mm -hmm. And and as I saw that into my mind came the thought, even eagles need a push. Right. Well, Deb, it blew me away. Mm -hmm. I, I said, my gosh, is that the title of my book? Uh, and then we came up with a subtitle, Learning to Soar in a Changing World. And people loved it. Mm-hmm. And so out of that adversity of losing my original title, I ended up with a much more fabulous title that people have resonated to because the eagle symbol is so powerful for so many people. So that's how it all began. And that's what's transpired in the trilogy of books that I've written. Right. You know, and it is something that 
uh, you know, I think does resonate with people because as we're trying to find ourselves, you know, find our way, whether it's in, you know, life, corporate world, building our own business, whatever it is, we see all of these people who have been fabulously successful, you know, and, and whatever that definition of success is for folks. And we think, good golly, I can't do that. I can't get there. And we forget that almost always they started at ground zero themselves or more appropriately, appropriately as in your analogy, they started at the top of the cliff and had to literally be thrown off. Yes, uh, that's, I think, a very important statement to make, that to think that people who have succeeded uh, have not risked uh, is a, a, a major mistake. Uh, we look at, as you say, especially some of the younger entrepreneurs today in the high tech industry, for example, who become very successful very quickly, but they are the exception. Right. They tr they truly are, and we all need to understand that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then, if you look at the stories of people who have succeeded over a long period of time, you will also see that they've had significant failures in their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I love the statement by Hal Prince, the famous Broadway producer. He said that anyone who hasn't had a failure is an amateur. Right. Uh, you know, because so we've, we've made decisions, we've, we've gone down roads that uh, uh, proved to be the wrong road to get, go down, so we've pulled ourselves back. Uh, so, no, the road to success, um, you have to be willing to, you know, soar above the obstacles. And that's the eagle symbol again. The eagle is able to soar above the turbulence and, and maintain a perspective of life that we all need to have. Mm -hmm. Right. And and as you said, recognize that we fail and that there are challenges, um, you know, and, and it's funny because a lot of times when we look at someone who we view as successful, you know, and, and again, whether it's a business person, a celebrity, even if it's just, you know, maybe it's it's a minister in your church, whatever it is, we we forget that they had challenges. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is when we actually hear about their challenges and how they overcame them, you know, initially we might have thought, oh, no, they were perfect. And then we discovered, oh, wow, they weren't. But then when we discovered how they overcame them, it, it makes it even better. Well, it does. In my first book, Even Eagles Need a Push, I tell uh, the story of the fact that in my 20s, um, I was already an entrepreneur. I was extremely successful, uh, you know, beautiful home, beautiful cars, uh, living the high life, um, married, uh, no children, but just very, very successful. Um, uh, but in my late 20s, I lost it all, made some poor choices, more decisions, and I went virtually went broke. Um, and it was a very devastating time in my life. And I spent two years in a real, real uh, mild depression and struggling in every way. But I also came to the realization uh, through some, you know, coaching and counseling that I'd also taken a very dangerous position. And that position was called the victim. Mm -hmm. Now, there are many genuine victims in the world, Deb. I don't want to describe right. that you know, people who have uh, been, um, you know, challenged by, by things that they should not have been. 
But the victim staying in a victim role doesn't work because what it means is perpetual blaming, making excuses, uh, all of the things that are counterproductive to where you want to go. Well, when I realized that was the position I'd taken, what I was able to do is assess objectively my situation. So what did that mean? It meant a couple of things. Number one, yes, I was broke. I was still broke. There's, that was the truth. That was my reality. As um, as uh, Jim Collins says in From Good to Great, they were the brutal facts. Right. However, what was also important was that I still had the talents I still had the gifts, I still had the skills that had got me to be successful, and now, if I wanted to be truthful, I had a lot of wisdom from my experience. So the idea, therefore, was to pick myself up, start to look at what I could visualize and imagine again for my future, and begin again. So, yes, we all go through those things, and and I know it's been said many times, but we are wiser and stronger for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and often we hear people say, you know, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't. And I don't like that saying, you know, and, and, and granted, there are horrible, awful things that happen to people. And would we choose to not have them happen to us? Sure. But. You know, to me, that's who makes us who we are. Does it make us the victim? Does it make us the survivor? You know, all of those various things. And and it is about learning from those um, tragedies, experiences, you know, whatever we want to call them. And, you know, and going on, out onto the other side. Well, you, you um, used a very interesting word, and again, we talked about it, surviving, and um, I, part of my second book, if you don't mind me ima- uh, mentioning it, is, it, is really about the Eagle Secret. The second book is a, based on a study of over 600 organizations and people who were, um, and the, the idea behind it was to distinguish between those people who just survive in life and those who thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a very thorough study, and and but we took the definitions of those two words. If if you look up the word survive in the dictionary, it there are three words attached to it, and those words are to not die. Mm-hmm. That's what survive means. Right. It means just to exist. So mm-hmm. you know, so as individuals, we need to look at ourselves and say, is that all I'm doing? Is mm-hmm. Am I just existing? Am I getting up in the morning, going through the motions of the day and and going to bed at night, not thinking, not being conscious? Uh, All of those things that 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 means that we're not really engaged in life or do we want to thrive? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? That means if you look in the dictionary to prosper, to flourish, to grow. That's what thriving is about. And what distinguishes the people who thrive versus those who survive is clearly their attitudes and their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Because through our way we act and the way we think is the way we create our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and so whether we find that we're putting out fires every day in our lives or we're blazing a trail is the difference in our attitudes and the way we act. Right. Well, and for everyone, there is a time where we are just surviving. You know, we have, there is something that we have to get through and, you know, and, and really to, to not die, um, you know, and, and, or let it over, 
overtake us or consume us, you know, some things like that, because it might not be something physical, but it might be emotional. Um, you know, so we do have to to get past that point. And it was funny, you and I were sharing um, and you share this in your book, but you and I were sharing the fact that you lost your beloved first wife to cancer um, and you yourself are a cancer survivor. And I was diagnosed with cancer a couple years ago. And, you know, and, and people always say, oh, you're a survivor. And as you were talking, I thought about that and I thought, no, I'm not. I'm a cancer thriver. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I really did. I mean, it, this, this little light bulb went off as you were speaking because I, I had someone come up to me at, you know, a networking event or whatever. And they said, well, are you a survivor? And I just kind of looked at them in this, you know, rather perplexed way. And I said, well, I'm not dead. <laughs> you know? And and but really what they meant was, are you thriving? And, you know, and 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 granted, yes, you know, you and I and, and your cancer, you know, you share um, in your book that you had to have radiation and you had to have one of those masks. And I had to have radiation. And every time I would see those masks, fortunately, I didn't have to have one. I just thought, oh, no, no uh-uh. I could not do that. They'd have to knock me out. Um, but, you know, it, it is something that you at that point in time, you really are kind of surviving. But then it is how do you get out of it? You know, and, and so whether it's the loss of a job, the loss of a spouse, a child, you know, there are definitely things that are just absolutely, totally devastating. Um, you know, and, and so how do you get out of it? And, and I tell people, I don't have normal life anymore. You know, I've had eight surgeries. I've had, you know, all sorts of things I have, you know, and, and as you have also things that because of your cancer have changed you physically emotionally, mentally, all of those things. And so I have what I call normal. That's my new normal. I can whine about it or I can think, huh, okay, so that happened. And and we go on. Well, yes, uh, I think it's very important that we do say to people who are listening um, that uh, purely surviving at times is a very courageous act. Yes. That in and of itself is courageous. We don't want to put down or suggest that that uh, that you shouldn't be just surviving. Um, when I went through my my cancer, as you mentioned, I not only had seven weeks daily of radiation, I also had chemotherapy. Uh, I went from 195 pound to 145 pound. Um, I could not eat. I had a feeding tube mm-hmm. um, uh, to be able to sustain me. Uh, it was uh, a period in my life where I was just surviving, Deb. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Um, that what we're talking about, however, is simply the fact that as you continue to move, and but you accept that that is your situation. Uh, when you accept that, and, but you you decide that every day you will move forward to the best of your ability. And I can remember I was a physically fit, very healthy man, um, played golf, worked out, all of these things. Mm-hmm. The end of my treatment, I could barely uh, walk 100 yards. Mm-hmm. I had to have someone with me to walk 100 yards. But once that began and the treatment ended, uh, then it's that attitude is that determination is that willingness to say okay from that hundred yards i will walk 150 yards i will 
book 200 it's that willingness to say if if i have the opportunity to continue living mm-hmm. i truly will make the most of it i would make that the most of it um you mentioned a film uh that i produced called the power of purpose well that per- that film was about the young canadian boy terry fox who in 1980 ran the greatest marathon run in history mm-hmm. now he had lost a leg to cancer he was a 21 year old boy when he ran he lost his leg at 18 but but he said to himself if this is the way i have to go through life i will make the most of it and 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 deb that young man's legacy he passed away sadly after the run from the cancer but he has uh from that fundraising run called the Marathon of Hope uh the Terry Fox Foundation has raised over 700 million dollars for cancer research mm-hmm. so he is a thriver and why why I'm mentioning that is simply because because of that he's left an enormous you know mark on the world so it is the new normal when when i was looking at myself in the mirror the shell of a person i was you know no matter how confident that you are as a human being cancer will leave you feeling so vulnerable right are so vulnerable and that's the way i felt you know my self image uh, all of that was was really dynamically affected by it so yes yeah, surviving is courageous but we don't want to stay there we want to move towards that place in life called thriving mm-hmm. well and that's not to say that on occasion we don't have bad days you know we have our pity parties hey you know i i cannot eat mexican food again i love mexican food but that's just not something that and you know i feel bad about that you know and and obviously there are other you know more serious things but we do you know it's, it's okay to have pity parties and to think ugh, you know and and but and and even to every once in a while have the why me philosophy but the key is of course to not wallow in that um and and we've mentioned it in already and you mentioned it in your books it's because you know we're not done with life and you know and, and so yeah these horrible awful things happen you know they continue to happen but we have a purpose and that's why we need to continue going forward yes uh, that that is the whole key the word that you just used uh, deb the whole notion of purpose mm-hmm. uh is probably the most powerful powerful word that we can use uh, in when we're reflecting on what our lives are about is that, you know what do i see as my purpose I, I, i'll share a little story from mark of an eagle that you undoubtedly read and that was the story of after my wife's funeral uh in 2000 Uh, I went back to where I grew up, uh, Australia. Uh, I've lived in the United States since 1980, but I had uh, I went back to Australia to be with my closest family down there. Um, and I was walking the beaches where mm-hmm. I courted my wife. Uh, and as the grief counselor would tell you, don't hesitate to talk to them. Right. Uh, and I did. And I. I had to say to her at that time I'm walking along the beach I'm all by myself and I just said to her you know um I I I'm not feeling great but I'm not feeling as bad as I thought I might um uh-huh. 
think about that. And and people will think, some people will think this is crazy. Other people will think, oh, yeah, this is wonderful. But I got an answer right back. And she said, David, she said, I want you to know that I am happy and I want you to be happy. And I went, wow, that's an interesting response. Um, and then I said, well, let me ask you a second question. I said, you're you're where we believe you are. You're you're happy. You're you're probably connected to family. Your mother, my mother, all of these people. Um, I said I don't understand why you had to leave and why I'm still here. And Deb, she responded in with an incredible statement. And this is all in my mind. I I agree with anyone listening. This is all in my mind. <laughs> but the response was this: David, you still have work to do. And that statement made me realize that when I get up in the morning, if I'm alive, I have a purpose to fulfill and I need to understand what that purpose is. And I believe in my world, that purpose is to contribute to the world, Uh you know. That, that as Buckminster Fuller, the famous uh, uh, architect and philosopher said, you know, we're all on spaceship Earth, but there are no uh, passengers. We're all the crew. And, and that means that each and every one of us has a responsibility to, to make the world a better place and steer it in the direction we want it to go. And, and so we need to find out what that purpose is. And when we do find out that purpose, we don't have to have a purpose that leads us to be famous, right? But it's a purpose that gives our lives meaning. Uh-huh. That when, as you say, that when we get up in the morning and we feel not great or we're having a pity party, it's the purpose that says, yes, this will help move me through this now. I will get through this to the other side. Purpose is is the key to a meaningful life. Right. right. And, you know, for some, that might be to be the best parent in the world, to be the best grandparent in the world. Um, you know, for some, it is to be, you know, the best boss, the best employer, you know, all of those various things. But it is about having that purpose. And, you know, one of the things in, in your book, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't read the first two, but your your most current book is a workbook. And I love that because it walks you through, you know, picking, you know, discovering what your purpose is, what your vision is, all of those various things. And it's things that as you're looking through it and reading it, you don't, it's, it may be things, you know, you know, some people are very clear on their vision and, and things like that, but others like, oh, yeah, hmm. But to me, I was especially interested in it because I thought for people who are kind of struggling and trying to find their way, I think this is a fabulous way for them to get clarity, to see exactly what it is that they do have to offer. Because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Every single person has something that they need to do, some mark that they need to leave. And it's just sometimes a struggle to find that, but it is definitely worth it to find it. Yes, uh, 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 Deb, you're, you're on the right track there. What What is very clear to me is this, is that it's true when someone says the answers are within you, that is very true. The answers are within each of us. The challenge is we don't have the questions. Mm-hmm. 
But we don't we don't know what questions to ask, and therefore we get somewhat confused. Mm-hmm. So what Mark of an Eagle is about is 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 giving you the questions that you need to ask and making the distinctions that you need to make. For example, uh, people confuse purpose and vision as being the same thing, and they're not. I make a clear distinction in the book. You know, purpose is about contribution. What do you want to contribute to the world? You know, the the ultimate meaning of why you exist is what what purpose is. And so in that particular chapter, uh, we ask the questions that obviously make you go deep, right, to be able to find out, you know, what is meaningful to you, who you admire, uh, the people in the world that inspire you. All of those questions lead you to uh, come up with an answer as to your own purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, the chapter on vision is different because vision is about what we want to create, what we bring into our li- what to bring into our lives. It's about achievement, and and if you like, you can say goals, but it's about more than that. It's about how we visualize living our lives. So, and we as human beings within our DNA is the need to create. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about being creative, but just about having a life where we're always looking forward to something, that the future looks exciting for us. We're we're making plans. Now, there's a little bit of a a dichotomy here because we're all taught to live in the moment. Well, it's not either or, it's both. It is the understanding, as you and I know, with having come through the cancer, is it's waking up in the morning and saying, how can I make the most of our day today? Uh, but at the same time saying, OK, you know, what am I you know, what am I going to be doing? Am I going to be writing another book or am I going to be planning a vacation? Uh, for example, people come up to me and they say, David, oh, you're from Australia. I say, yes, they say I've always wanted to go to Australia. And my simple answer is, well, why don't you? Yes, why not? Why mm-hmm. not? Make plans, you know, mm-hmm. it, take a step today uh, and that's what we do in the book. Take a, make a commitment today to move forward to the thing you said that you always wanted to do. Uh, so you're absolutely right. It is it is a workbook and it's a workbook about discovering your own brilliance. We are all brilliant in some way. I remember several years ago um, hearing a beautiful statement. I wish I could remember the man's name, but he was in human resources at a big company. And he said, you know, I have never met a person who could not do something better than me. Well, that Mm -hmm. makes sense, of course. But he also said, I have never met a person who I could not do something better than he or she. Right now, he said, no matter how brilliant they are, no matter how skilled they are, no matter how famous they are in the world, there's something that I can do better than they can. And Deb, that applies to each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. And we have to discover that. We have to acknowledge that. And then we have to use it every day. Right. You know, and, and it is about finding what makes us unique. Um, and, and it's interesting because I've had some friends who have been struggling with this, you know, and, and some of it is the why me or the, 
you know, I, I don't have high expectations of anything. So, you know, if something bad happens, well, you know, whatever. And, you know, and, and or, you know, people who are, are ill or, you know, suffering through something um, emotionally, they do get caught up in the, you know, I, I can't, I, you know, the, this is what I deserve. And they set their expectations very low. And they do forget that there are things, and maybe maybe it's something that most people would consider trivial, but there are things that they can do better than anybody else. Yes, uh, that's absolutely true. I had the great um, um, blessing, if I could say it, because I feel that way, of, of meeting a wonderful person uh, after my wife died um, and, um, and who today is my wife. Mm-hmm. So and and my wife uh, is a retired teacher um, and uh, and so therefore is looking at how she lives her life every day mm-hmm. uh, and making the contribution that that she wants to make. And um, she, quite frankly, has said to me several times, you know, I, I I struggle a little bit with that because she said, you know, what I find myself uh, doing is primarily being a good grandparent. And I thought to myself, my gosh, what a contribution that in itself is. Uh, Mm -hmm. She is the most marvelous mother to her three children. Um, She she is uh, her grandchildren adore her. uh, But she also is a fabulous friend uh, to people who come to her for comfort and counsel. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it, it, if we look around, Deb, there is so much that needs doing in the world that that there that are so many organizations looking for people to contribute to, to their success, whether they be for for profit businesses or whether they be not for profit uh, profit businesses. That, you know, there is a tremendous opportunity, but we must be open to it. We have to be open to it. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it might seem odd, weird, you know, whatever we, we want to put with it. But, you know, it's, it's funny, as you were talking about your, your wife, I thought, you know, one of the worst words is the word just. I am just a mom, just a teacher, just a whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. You know, all of those roles are so very important. They're very, very important. And you also bring up um, a a very, uh, very important way of of, uh, how we speak to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, As you know, in the book, there's one chapter there that I call consciously creating amazement, Mm -hmm. consciously creating amazement. And in other words, bringing into our lives a sense of amazement about the world in which we live. Uh, and the reason for that is that that there is so much negativity out there. Uh, there is so much focus on the media, on the things that are not working in the world, that mm-hmm. we lose sight of what is actually working in the world. Right. And we live in an amazing environment and, and, and on an amazing planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the ways to start creating amazement in our lives. And and part of that amazement is to realize how amazing we are as just as an individual creation, as a human being. Mm -hmm. Deb, uh, uh, your listeners can look around 
the, anywhere, supermarkets, the places they work, their families, no one has the exact same face as another human being. Right. Think about that. Of all the billions of human beings that have ever existed, the seven billion that exist on our planet today, no one has the same face. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's remarkable. Right. That is absolutely remarkable. So but one of the ways that we get to create amazement is to take charge of our language. Yes. How, how we talk to ourselves. How do we talk? I am just as you said, I am just a teacher. No, you take the word just and you say, I am a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then you think of the implications. I am a teacher. Uh, and I think of all of the children that my wife has positively impacted over, you know, in her lifetime, the children uh, who have been um, influenced by her and her joy and her enthusiasm and her love. It's quite enormous. There's no such thing as I'm just a teacher. I am a teacher. So, so you affirm that in the best way that you can. You change your language and you actually change your life. Change the language. Remove out of your language. It's like my wife who passed away. She changed her language from saying when she was eating something delicious, this is to die for. She's changed it. This is to live for. Right. All of these things that are very, all of these ways that we articulate are very important. Mm-hmm. Well, and in your book, you talk about how we say, I hate such and such. Um, you know, I I. I hate having to get up early in the morning or I hate the Internet. I hate Facebook, you know, all of these various things. And that that one word that hate, what if we changed it? Now, it can still be dislike, you know, because we're not going to be Pollyanna here and all of a sudden go, oh, everything's happy. But changing it to a less negative word or or really rephrasing it, you know, instead of I hate to get up in the morning. What about if it's. I look forward to it because it's a quiet time for me. Yes, and I think that's a fascinating um, statement that you just made because I think it's very important that um, we accept um, the way our biorhythms work, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some of us are morning people. I I happen to be a morning person, Mm -hmm. uh, but I have learned over the years that some people are just not morning people. They they need uh, uh, more time time to, to get into the day. And I, I absolutely respect that. And they have got a tremendous amount of energy at the end of the day, and I don't. So mm-hmm. I, I've, I've learned to respect that. What is critical to this conversation is for our listeners to understand that we live life on a feeling level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live life on a feeling level. We want to feel good about life. Right. And 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 again, as you said, you're not going to do that necessarily seven days a week because of all what we've discussed, the challenges that we have, the the uh, things that happen that uh, that are terribly inconvenient, if you like, uh, for us. But if we understand that we live life on a feeling level, then what we want to do with our thoughts with our feeling, with our words and with our actions is to make sure that we're creating the feelings that we want. So just take the word hate. If you want to feel hate, then use that word or use it unconsciously. 
If you want to not feel that way, then change your language. And right. and it's not about delusion or avoiding anything. It's it's just changing. You know, you know, I really dislike that. Mm-hmm. You're entitled to dislike something right. for sure. But it's a much there's much less energy. Hate mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of energy on it. Uh, take take away that energy. And and I say to everybody, if you're skeptical about this, try it for 30 days. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and it's funny because even just thinking I hate something, I dislike something. I mean, there's there's just a different emphasis on it. And, you know, that's not there are things that we hate. You know, and and but there are also a lot of things that that we use that term for that we really don't hate, um, you know, and 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 it's funny because I spend a lot of my time on Facebook and I see people posting frequently. I hate this. I hate that. And even just reading that kind of brings me down, um, you know, and 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 so it's it, it, not only is it their mindset, but it's affecting my mindset. And so then, of course, you know, the, the thing to do is to re- remove myself from that situation, whether it means just not reading Facebook or unfriending that person or whatever. Back to putting myself in that more positive role. And, you know, we've been talking about, you know, mentally making that shift. Sometimes it is about changing the people you're around. You know, if, if they are the people that are continually down, depressed, you know, we feel badly for them. You know, and, and we all know people like that. But how many times do we allow ourselves to be sucked into that? You know, and, and sometimes you just can't make it better. And, you know, and, and, and it doesn't matter how hard you try, but it might be that you need to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to go in a different direction. Well, yes, if people are toxic, right? Mm-hmm. It toxic right. that that they are not serving you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we I've come to the realization at least that, you know, I can't be responsible for other people. Right. I, I can be responsible to people. In mm-hmm. other words, the way I live my life, to live my life with integrity, to be honest, uh, to be kind, to be compassionate, to be loving, that's what I believe my responsibilities to the world are. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if others choose to live their lives in a different way, uh, then uh, then they that's their choices. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also have to be very careful that their choices are not negatively impacting me. Um, and and so I I I I learned this uh, from some of the work that we do uh, uh, in in our in our community with working with the homeless, uh, working uh, endeavoring to help them rehabilitate their lives, and 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 you will find that that some people are you know, and I'm t- not talking about the people who have uh, mental and emotional issues, right? That they need. Help. I'm just talking about people who, with the right guidance or the right help, the right support, can rehabilitate their lives. Mm-hmm. You find that there are those people who take that up, take that opportunity and do something with it, and others who choose not to. Right. But for us as human beings, and I've got a chapter, as you know, in the book called Rich Relationships, Rich Life, mm-hmm. we have to ensure that we surround ourselves with people who are nurturing 
who are nourishing, mm-hmm. who are supportive of what we want for our lives. Right. Great relationships are not 50-50. Great relationships are 100%, 100%. When you're looking at a, a spouse, a partner, whoever it might be, that that becomes a great relationship when the other human being, the other person wants absolutely for your life what you dream for your life and you want the same for the other person and and that applies to our friendships uh and it actually if i may see appears like a digression but if if we even look within a company we do a lot of work in leadership and with our, right. our company and the great leaders the great leaders empower their people to become who all that they can be Mm-hmm. And if if people look back and say who was a great leader to me, the answer will the most common answer will be this was a person who saw more in my me than I saw in myself. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, so you're 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 right on when you're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting, you know, in in businesses because we do have those people in our lives. And unfortunately, a lot of times we have the opposite. You know, we've got the the manager who sees us as a threat to their position, um, you know, and and or, you know, this person could eventually take over the company. You know, and, and I actually remember one time thinking that I was working for a, a large uh, corporation and interviewing for a position. And this person who applied was extremely overqualified. I mean, way, way, way overqualified. But she was kind of transitioning careers, and so she she wanted to to start and and learn. And I distinctly remember thinking, I can't hire her because she's going to want my job. That was the. It might not have been the wrong thing to think because I still could have thought that, and then thought, how can I help her to do that? That would have been the right thing to do, as opposed to, well, I really don't want to interview her. Um, but but it is something, you know, we, we run across that all the time with people who we think I, I can't help them because they're going to want to do better than me. Well, we should want them to do better because they should also be wanting us to do better. Um, you know, and, and it is about surrounding ourselves with those people who continually want us to do better and will help us do better. Well, if you look at all the studies of companies and 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 the leaders who have made these companies successful, and I'm talking about success in the long term, Deb. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about short term success, right. right? But you'll find that the lead the leader's credo is to look for people who are smarter than they are, mm-hmm. right? And and to hire the right people. Again, if I may refer to Jim Collins, Good to Great, because I think that's a fabulous book. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, you know, your people in a company are not your greatest asset. He says the right people are. Mm-hmm. And, and so so if you're looking at it again from the standpoint of leadership um, and I um, had uh, a, a client of mine who uh, just wrote me a note and said, I've just ordered 50 copies of your book. Um, and the reason he said that was simply he said, David, because I want my people to understand that leadership is not about what you learn to do to other people. It's not a technique or a series of. Of, uh, of techniques what mm-hmm. it is is it's about becoming the kind of person others want to follow 
Right. Right. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's having the integrity, it's having the competence, but it's having the standards. It's having all of those things that people admire. And because of that admiration, they want to be a part of your team and they want to follow you. And that's a very, very powerful understanding when you think about leaders and people who influence us. Mm-hmm. Right. And how many times have we had that that boss or that leader, you know, maybe it's a nonprofit, whatever it is, and we've thought, Ugh, I don't want to be them. Well, then why do you even want to be in that situation? Well, exactly. And and I, I think it was very honest of you to mention why you didn't hire that person, because it, it, that's kind of a fear type of conversation. Right. I am mm-hmm. I I am afraid. Right. I am. I'm afraid of that. And, and of course, fear uh, rules a lot of things. And, and as we understand, that's a big part of our conversation today. It can it can rule people's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are unwilling to take the risks that they need to take to live the lives they imagine for themselves. Right. right? They they're in fear of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that applies also to organizations. And so we, we do a lot of work with organizations to help to help remove that fear by helping people see their own potential so that they can then encourage others to come up through the organization. Right. Well, David, holy cow, we only have 10 minutes left. I mean, this has been absolutely fabulous. So let's talk a little bit about what your company does, which is Transform Corp. And you have what you call the C brand. And C is an acronym, C-E-E. So it's corporate brand, employer brand, and employee brand. And so just briefly talk to us about what your organization does when it works with corporations and individuals. Well, thank you, Deb. Well, uh, primarily what we have come to understand and I have come to understand uh, through my book that I co-authored called Be Your Own Brand was was simply that everything begins with brand, that people. Companies and people don't understand that. But a brand, the way a company is perceived, it Mm -hmm. represents about 70% of its value. Mm -hmm. So that brand, whether like for Coca-Cola down in your area, Delta Airlines in your Mm -hmm. area, uh, if you have a look, for example, at Delta and what has happened over the last 10 to 15 years, it's phenomenal what's happening right. to that particular company. Now, I know airlines get criticized a little bit, but let's have a look at it objectively. Um, and the, what's happened is that it's built a tremendously strong brand. Mm-hmm. Brands are the way uh, a company is perceived. So mm-hmm. once we understand that, we then understand that a brand is about a relationship. If you have uh, if you have a strong brand, a, a product, a service, and a, a store that you go back to time and time again, and that's a strong brand in your life, you actually have a relationship with it. You, it right. You're loyal to it, right? You're mm-hmm. loyal to it. Um, so what creates that loyalty, however, in the end result is not the product or promotion or the packaging or even the price. It's the people. Mm-hmm. So it's your connection to the person who ends up delivering on the brand, right? right. Delivering on the brand. That's the key thing. You, if, if you don't have a good um, experience with that person, that's going to tarnish and diminish the brand. And mm-hmm. that experience is uh, consistently poor 
then you will look for somewhere else to fly to you know stay in a hotel uh, buy your food no matter what it is you will look for somewhere else if that experience is consistently good you will go back to it time and time again mm-hmm. once we understand that uh, then our work is about the people side of helping companies uh, build a strong brands, but it starts, the C is the corporate brand. And so we work with leaders to help them understand how to become better leaders and their connection to creating the culture within the organization uh, that um, makes for delivering on the promises a company is making a top priority. So it's the, it all begins with leaders. Mm-hmm. Then there's the employer brand. Are you hiring the people within your organization who are going to best reflect that brand? So right. we hire for attitudes and then we train for skills. Mm-hmm. That's that's the employer brand. And the final part of it is the employee brand. And that is, you know, helping the employee find their purpose and helping them understand that their vision can be realized by working with this company. So the the culture, which is the attitudes and behaviors that exist within an organization will determine how the employees deliver to the customer on the brand promise. So mm-hmm. work is is that's what we do, that we're right in that sweet spot of delivering, helping companies deliver on their brand promises. It's fabulous work. It's all about what we've been talking about in this um, uh, time together. Uh, it's about the, uh, the leader's personal growth and development. Uh, it's about the employee and the individual's personal growth and development because every one of those people leave a mark on the world and, and they all want to believe their lives matter. Right. Well, and speaking of Mark, you've got a, a great quote in your book and, and you say, and it's a little long, but I want to read it. Leaving your mark is not a goal to be set. It is a result. It is the outcome of realizing the enormous potential that exists within you. The belief that there is a special purpose for your existence. The awareness that you share responsibility for what happens in our world. And the commitment to fully use your gifts and talents to live a rich and rewarding life. And I love that because that really is what all of this is about, whether it's an individual, a company, if you're an employee, all those various things. It is about how you leave your mark in this world. Yes, if if you live your best life, if you go about your life with a sense of purpose, uh, if you look to your future and say, what do I want to create? And you create, therefore, the richest life that you can make and understand that that is not possible without great relationships and 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 you nourishing and nurturing others and them nourishing and nurturing you uh, and, and learning how to soar above adversity, the things that we talk so much about. If do those things and and you realize that we do live in an amazing world and you look for ways to appreciate and value that and to have that sense of gratitude 
about what is all around you. If you live your life in that way, Deb, you will leave a mark that you would never have dreamed of, a very powerful, positive mark. Right. And again, you know, it might not be that you are the CEO of a large corporation. It might mean that you're the best volunteer that the PTA ever had. Or, you know, again, a parent, a, you know, a, a partner, a spouse, you know, whatever it is, it, your mark is your mark. And I really want to emphasize that we cannot measure it against someone else's success, against their goals. We are truly an individual in this. Yes. Um, comparison is a tremendous enemy of all of us, right? We, we don't mm-hmm. want to be comparing uh, ourselves to anybody else. Uh, that That's a dangerous path to go down. No, we, we have to focus again on ourselves, our brilliance. Uh, for example, uh, I would love to look like Brad Pitt. Right. But I don't, Deb. I, I'll be very honest with you. I, well, close. This is a well. Thank you, dear. That's very nice of you. But 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 so one accepts these things about oneself and then say, OK, I understand that. But I still have something very valuable to contribute. Uh, and I have a brilliance that nobody else does. So we keep coming back to, you know, focusing on the questions that we need to ask ourselves so that we can map it out to develop that roadmap for the way we want to go in our lives and get us as much encouragement as we can along the way. Right. And remember that that roadmap has forks. Sometimes it has U-turns, you know, all of those various things. But we have to continually be striving to go forward. Yes, exactly. Uh, And we we may need many pushes along the way. So let's make sure that we have those people who are willing to push us, as I said, and to encourage and nurture us. Right. Well, David, holy cow, we are almost finished. And I have been having an absolutely fabulous time talking with you about your book, which is Mark of an Eagle, How Your Life Changes the World and all of your other books. But tell folks how they find you and connect with you online. Right, absolutely. They they can go to uh, transformcorp.com. So www transform and then c o r p one word corp.com, uh, and then just send uh, a message info at Transform Corp. Uh, the book, of course, is always available on Amazon. Uh, but Deb, I also like to ask people to you know support the local bookstore as well. Right? right? Yes. They may have to order it at this stage because the book is out fresh. It's new. Mm-hmm. Bookstore may not have it, but support your local bookstore mm-hmm. as well and and get a copy through them right and maybe that bookstore will then decide that they need to carry it on their shelves absolutely would love them to do that perfect perfect well david this really has been absolutely fascinating and i hope that our listeners have have learned as much as i have because this truly was one of those programs where you know typically a lot of times i focus on how to use social media how to use marketing all those various things but until we ourselves don't know what path we are on, we can't, you know, our business can't be successful, you know, all of those various things. So I really did truly enjoy today's program. And I did too, uh, Deb. And I just want to thank you for the contribution that you are making, not only personally and when you're talking to people, but shows like this, getting the message out and, and encouraging people as much as you can. Thank you. 
Well, I am Deb Creer. As I've said, I've had a wonderful time talking with David McNally. And to everyone out there, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.